Hello, everyone, and welcome to episode 15, 1988, the year in review on the Me, Myself, and Rye podcast here on Spotify. I am your host, as always, Ryan Klein. So, uh, look, guys and gals, me and the fam, we're home this weekend. No camp. Um, my daughter, Peyton, has her first Holy Communion tomorrow on Saturday. So, when I got home from work today, just uh, been outside in the garage, just getting things set up outside. Um, you know, after... Uh, the church ceremony and everything, going to have a little party for her at the house tomorrow. For sure, the adults will be taking in some cold beers. Naturally, guys and gals, I have one in hand as I record the podcast as always. Anyways, uh, I got pretty upset this week when I found out that, uh, just switching gears here, right? Kobe's Nike deal was not extended. Um, Just fucking crazy to me. And apparently his wife, Vanessa, was trying to forge a lifetime partnership with Nike, but the deal fell through. So I'm really hoping that they're going to get something done here, which I'm I'm sure they will. And look, there there were a lot of circumstances that I know that she wasn't happy with, especially how Nike handled uh, Kobe's releases after his death, which 100% I agree with. You know, supply definitely did not meet demand. And I mean, look, the only shoes I wear are Nikes. The only brand I buy are Kobe's. And I was just able to order and receive my first pair a couple weeks ago. So for, you know, a little over a year, you literally could not get any Kobe sneakers. Now, naturally, depending on the size and how much you wanted to spend. I mean, if you want to spend a lot of fucking money, of course, you're going to get them. So... Anyways, I have no idea what I'm going to do now for sneaks. Um, Like I said, I'm sure they're going to try to get some kind of deal done here, but I'm certainly going to try and get a few more pairs before they're all sold out or before they're taken off the shelves. So anyways, moving on, I do want to get into a very kind of sentimental topic that is, you know, very close to my heart. So... Three years ago on April 19th, 2018, I lost one of my best friends ever. So Bob Horn, most people knew him as the Horn Dog or the man, the myth, the legend. And look, he was 68 years old. Definitely one of the saddest days of my life. He was uh, certainly the guy that took me in and made me part of the happy hour crew at Rack for the people in Erie uh, that know what I'm talking about here. So just looking at the picture I posted on Facebook the other day to premiere this week's show, I didn't even see at the bottom when it said 4.23.10 at first, right? So today is 4.23.21. So 11 years ago today, me and him were sitting at the bar, having some beers, chopping it up. And I thought, you know, fitting this week, the anniversary of his passing, that I, I talk about him a little bit in the intro so in the picture, if you people saw that on Facebook, we were both wearing Burger King hats and he had some kind of purple scarf on. So I, uh, it most certainly was a Horn Appreciation Day. So some of us started a thing around his birthday, which I believe his birthday was April 9th. I'm pretty sure. But um, anyways, 
every year we just, you know, brought him in little dumb gifts just to kind of celebrate him, just for the hell of it. And it kind of started out as a little joke. But before we knew it, uh, we were making it like a yearly, making t-shirts for the event. And it kind of a bit became a big deal for him and to some of us, right? So um, just some people, uh, Nicole and Anna, Preston, me, Carrie, Beecher, uh, a lot of other folks. But uh, all I know is that when he passed, the bar just wasn't the same for me. Um, he was my Friday night wingman, so to say. We would just sit and talk and bullshit for hours about everything. Uh, life, love, sports, whatever the topic was. And I definitely miss those times. We did those for years and years. And I just remember Friday nights, I'd come in and we'd talk about my pickup hoop game that I used to play. And he'd be like, you know, did you light it up or did you suck that night? Which, of course, people, most of the time I was lighting dudes up. But anyways, we, we had some differences, but... I got along with him just about as well as I could anyone ever. Um, we did have our love for the Lakers, even though it was pretty hard keeping up with all this guy's teams. Uh, the Mavericks or the Lakers, Dirk or Kobe, the Cowboys, the Rams. No question about his love for the Dodgers, though. Um, I mean, look, at the end of the day, I just I miss all those crazy trips to Johnny's Sports Bar or the Saucery singing karaoke, you know, I remember when I sang My Prerogative by Bobby Brown for the first time, he, he called it my standby, and uh, just all the late nights and all the bad bets he, he would make. I mean, I remember a time that we were just watching a game and the team was up by 20, and he's like, I got this team. I'm like, no, nah, I'm taking the team. That's, they're down at half by 20. I said, I got the other team. So... <laughs> Naturally, the other team came back. I mean, Horn lost a lot of bets. But uh, anyways, man, I, I, just a little intro for you. I, I just, I think of you every day. I miss you. Um, just, I know up in heaven, you're at the bar having a pint right now. And, uh, you know, I'm always looking to find you in the clouds all the time up there wearing that Dodger cap. But uh, someday, brother, uh, definitely not a long time here for me, but uh, just uh, wanted to kind of speak about this real quick. And look, guys and gals, normally I play, a, like it's 1988, I play so, like five, six songs from 1988, but uh, it's my show, so I'm going to break the rules and play a little jam next for uh, me and my boy uh, Bob Horn. So uh, stay right here and I'll be right back after this short break. Okay, everybody, welcome back. So, look, I made it through that without shedding a tear. I thought I might, but uh, it's <laughs> whatever. We got through it. So, let's dive into world news from the year 1988. So, the Morse worm was one of the very first computer worms ever distributed via the Internet on November 2nd, 1988. So, it certainly gained a lot of mainstream media attention as it was launched from MIT. George Bush defeated Michael Dukakis in 1988 presidential election. On Air Force One, limited edition packs of red, white, and blue colored M&Ms were given to guests of the president instead of cigarette boxes, which I didn't know this, but apparently the uh, cigarette boxes were started under uh, President JFK. 
Now, Nancy Reagan, so she was having none of that. She requested to have like a smoking ban on Air Force One starting in 1988. And I think they started with like jelly beans and eventually these red, white, and blue M&Ms became the featured gift and the official candy of the White House. Now, personally, I think I would have gone with some Sour Patch Kids or Starburst. But anyways, how about uh, this guy, right? So presidential candidate, Gary Hart. So this dude invited the media to follow him around after he was alleged to be a womanizer. And he was even quoted as saying, follow me around. I don't care. I'm serious. So members of the media, you know, complied. And two weeks later, he was caught having an affair. So just, you know, fucking unbelievable there. Another one I liked researching was Judge uh, Douglas Ginsburg, who was nominated for the Supreme Court in 1988. So he eventually had to withdraw his nomination because it was revealed that uh, he smoked pot when he was in college, like 18 years earlier. So, I mean, just imagine if that happened to any of us right now. Pretty sure we all experimented once or twice with some dope back in the day. Um, anyways, let's move on to pop culture, right, from the year 1988. So the Doppler radar was invented by Christian Andreas, which I hope you all know what this is. But if you don't, here's like the definition, right? It's an instrument capable of detecting rain, snow, hail, insects, intensity, and motion. So like living in Erie, we, everybody's got to fucking know what this is, right? Because we live in a climate, I mean, one day it's fucking 80, and the next day it's 30. So, anyways, this thing was also used to de determine the structure of storms and predicting their severity. So, moving on, 1988, Harvard Medical School. Um, so, they partnered with uh, film and TV studios to insert the concept of the designated driver to pop culture. So, naturally, this was a big success. I hope you guys out there don't drink and drive. I certainly do not. It's probably been, and I would say, man, like 10 years since I drove anywhere after having like one beer. And I'm serious about that, people. Like literally. Like I'm a huge fan of Uber, even though you can't get a fucking Uber if your life depended on it right now. And I mean, look, I took, I've taken Uber so much. A lot of these dudes know me by name. Um, Muhammad for sure. I mean, this guy used to pick me up, take me home. I used to get him all the time. Really good dude. Um, anyways, moving on. So table tennis or ping pong became an Olympic sport. And I definitely have one of these for sure um, in my garage. Uh, definitely got some game. I think, uh, I mean, only a few people got me. I mean, I've lost a bunch of times. But, I mean, Chris Blakesley was really good. Ryan Munson, really good. Um, other than that, I pretty much beat most people that I play with, but, uh, it's been a long time. Anyways, the tables kind of turned into, uh, a birthday card for my brother, Kyle, because it just seems like every year on his birthday, we're outside having a party for him and we're all signing the back of it. And, uh, anyways, moving on. The popular Christmas gift was categories, which I absolutely love this game. And I don't care what anybody says when you roll an L and the category is things in a zoo. Large leaping lions definitely counts. And that is always worth three points in my book. And uh, I think my cousin Larry way back, I mean, 
hell, we were playing this game in my house. I think he he's the originator of coming up with large leaping lions. But uh, we were we were laughing our ass off the night that happened. It was a long, long time ago. I was probably, I don't know, 18, 19. But uh, probably the biggest pop culture news from 1988 was the beginning of Nike's Just Do It campaign. So, I mean, look, these ads over the years have just become pop culture sensations. But I bet you people didn't know that this slogan has a real dark history. And apparently the slogan was inspired by the final words of a notorious serial killer from the 1970s in Utah. So Gary Gilmore, so this dude was put to death by a firing squad for being convicted of killing a gas station attendant and a motel clerk the previous year. And then when he was asked at the execution if he had any last words, he said, Let's do it, which 11 years later, advertising executive uh, Dan Whedon helped use it to come up with his Nike campaign uh, pitch. Anyways, uh, guys and gals, that is going to do it for world news and pop culture. So uh, stay right here and we'll be right back after a word from our sponsor. Okay, everybody, welcome back. So let's get into sports from the year 1988. So... On January 31st in San Diego, California, Doug Williams of the Washington, of the then Washington Redskins, became the uh, first African-American quarterback to play in a Super Bowl, passing for 340 yards and four touchdowns in Washington's 42-10 upset over the Denver Broncos, which he was also the MVP of that game. The Lakers defeated the Detroit Pistons four games to three, in 1988 for their fifth championship in the 80s. And what I'll always remember about this, because I remember, you know, being a Lakers fan, my dad used to let me stay up real late and watch these games. And uh, when they won in 1987, the year before, and uh, Coach Pat Riley, he promised the crowd like a repeat during their downtown L.A. parade, which they did do. And they became the first team in 19 years to repeat. So this one was uh, kind of disturbing, but check this out. So Pete Maravich, during an interview in 1974, said, I don't want to play 10 years in the NBA and then die of a heart attack when I'm 40. Ironically, he died of a heart attack in 1988 at the age of 40 after a 10-year career in the NBA. So that is just fucking crazy. Um, Good old Pistol Pete, but... uh, Anyways, moving on. So Wrigley Field in Chicago was the last baseball stadium to get floodlights. So the Cubs' first night game was on August 8th, 1988. And then uh, my buddy Horn, going, you know, the L.A. Dodgers, won the World Series four games to one, which, uh, well, and my dad. My dad's a, he's a Dodger fan, too, so we got to get him in there. But uh, this was also the year of Kirk Gibson's, like, miraculous game-winning home run. You know, first game of the series. So Gibson was the National League MVP. And he was held out of game one because he had injuries of both legs. So they called upon him to pinch hit. Bottom nine, two outs. They're down four to three. So this fucking dude gets up. He hits a two-run walk-off homer against the Oakland A's. Sorry, Shano. And pitcher Dennis Eckersley. 5-4 win. So moving on, let's go to music. So Pink Floyd's Dark Side of the Moon album was on the Billboard charts for a total of seven 
141 consecutive weeks from 1973 to 1988. That's insane. Um, Debbie Gibson became the youngest person to write, produce, and sing a number one single entirely on her own when Foolish Beat reached number one on the Billboard Hot 100 chart. Uh, George Harrison, first and last Beatle to have a U.S. number one with My Sweet Lord in 1970 and Got My Mind Set on You in 1988, which that's a great song. Um, CDs outsold vinyl records for the first time ever. And the last major album released on 8-track, Format, which I don't know, for, I mean, everybody's got to know. Well, some of the younger folks might, they don't probably know. But uh, Fleetwood Mac's greatest hits, 1988. Now, look, they're growing on me. I, I, I think I've said before that I'm not a big fan, but they're growing on me. Anyways, the Locker B or Locker by, I don't, the Scotland airplane bombing, which was ordered by Libya, killed 270 people. And there were, that, the people that are actually supposed to be on this Pan Am Flight 103 that weren't. Uh, the Four Tops, as well as the uh, Sex Pistols lead singer, Johnny Rotten or Roten, I don't know. But uh, you guys and gals always laugh at me when I don't know some of these names. But uh, I hate flying. Uh, I flew to New York City and back. You know, I went to a GE training long, long time ago. Uh, I did get to see my first Yankee game in the old Yankee Stadium, train to the subway. I could talk about this game for an hour or two. All I know is they, they won that game, but uh, we'll get in that at a later date. So, and look, folks, as I, I, I got to preface the next one. I've been practicing this for like an hour or two, all right? So 1988 was also the year that Israel, Kamaka Vivioli, Kama, Israel, Kamaka Vivioli. I think I got it. I mean, look. I've only got like one or two beers in me right now. So Israel Kamaka Vivioli. So this dude called a studio at 3M. He asked if he could record because he had a good idea. So the guy's like, yeah, man, even though he closed it. 15 min minutes later, this dude was in there playing his ukulele and recorded What a Wonderful Life slash Over the Rainbow Medley in one take. So great tune. I know a lot of you folks out there know what I'm talking about right now. Kyle Klein, I know you do. Um, it's a good song. Anyways, um, so the plan here, guys and gals, you know, one of these nights, that's what I'm going to do. I'm just going to get the studio, rock my fucking single, make me a one-hit wonder, ride off into the sunset, and never be heard from again. But anyways, so let's go on. Last but not least, 1988 was also the very first year that Yo! MTV Raps debuted. So this was, you know, the first hip-hop music show on MTV. Two hours long. Um, show really opened the door to rap music and helped hip-hop become more of a mainstream as it had been growing, you know, popular and popular. But, uh, I mean, look, anyways, guys and gals, that is going to do it for... Uh, sports and music so stay right there and i'll be right back okay everybody welcome back so let's take a look at movies from the year 1988 and let me just preface this by saying 1988 had a lot of fucking great movies so i really wish i was doing a top five movie draft this week but i'm not um 
oh, well, I'm going to go over as many as I can. So here's your top 10, right, from 1 to 10. So you got Rain Man, Who Framed Roger Rabbit, Coming to America, Big, Twins, Crocodile Dundee 2, Die Hard, The Naked Gun, Cocktail, and Beetlejuice. So the movies that come to mind to me when reading this list, right, right off the bat, Rain Man, Tom Cruise, just once again, fucking killing it. I mean, does this guy make a bad movie? I know he has, but uh, Dustin Hoffman uh, winning the Oscar for Best Actor. This movie also won the Oscar for Best Picture. Coming to America is another Eddie Murphy comedy classic. Just lots of good scenes filled with one-liners. Now, how about this? Anybody ever wonder how many movies Samuel L. Jackson has appeared in? So, like, me and my brother Shane used to talk about this all the time. Samuel L. Jackson, like, makes an appearance in every movie. And he was in Coming to America. So, 100 films. So, this dude's been in a lot of shit. Um, anyways, Big is another one of my favorites. Tom Hanks, definitely one of the best actors in the history of film. Die Hard, I mean, pop culture phenom. I mean, this movie, this action movie, just it, John McClane. Just really made Bruce Willis a star. Not his R&B album, which that's the one I'm going to beat someday. And I mean, look, I don't know if it's a Christmas movie. I mean, a lot of people think it is. I, I don't know. I'm on the fence. It's not really about Christmas. I get it's Christmas time, but uh, I don't know. We can debate that another day. I'm, like I said, I'm still on the fence. And just by the way, that terrified expression, right? So when Hans Gruber's face at the end of Die Hard when he gets like fucking thrown off the roof or whatever. So it's very genuine because the stunt double or the stunt team, when they drop the dude, they were supposed to do it on three. So they do it on, they did it on one take, you know, not one, two, three, they like one and they dropped the dude. So the dude was probably scared as shit. Anyways, cocktail. I mean, here we go. Tom Cruise again. This guy literally just owned the 80s. I mean, just literally owns Hollywood. And, I mean, I definitely think one of my dreams in life is to move to Jamaica or the islands somewhere, someday. Open my own bar. I mean, this movie, I love Elizabeth Shue in the movie. Kokomo by the Beach Boys. Naturally, just a huge hit. And, of course, nobody's ever going to forget Cocktails and Dreams. So just some other movies that didn't make the top 10. So you got The Great Outdoors, John Candy, Dan Aykroyd, Bull Durham, Kevin Costner. So Young Guns, very star-studded cast there. Midnight Run, De Niro. And, uh, you know, Bloodsport with Van Damme. So yeah, look, I get the dude wasn't the best actor ever. But this movie is still a classic for us guys out there. I mean, some of us, hopefully most of us. Anyways, Dirty Rotten Scoundrels is another movie I like with Steve Martin and Michael Caine. How about Child's Play? You know, another pop culture classic. And you got Above the Law, Steven Seagal and I believe Sharon Stone. Uh, their first movies ever, um, I believe. Nico Toscani. That's a name I'm never going to forget. He was the fucking man. Uh, let's never forget about the Deadpool. Clint Eastwood returned as... Dirty Harry Callahan. And look, guys and gals, I could keep going, but I got to stop somewhere. 
Needless to say, like I said, there was a lot of pop culture faves in 1988. So let's move on to TV shows. So Quentin Tarantino apparently had a cameo appearance as an Elvis impersonator in 1988 episode of The Golden Girls, which never knew that. Um, Roseanne Barr, which apparently they say she was like the most famous person in America as her, her show Roseanne started. Definitely another great comedy about a middle-class family of five dealing with, you know, life's essential problems. Don't forget about John Goodman, you know, as Dan. Um, the show was revived in 2018, but then, unfortunately, it was canceled. And it's now called The Connors after Roseanne uh, made a controversial tweet, condemned as racist, and, you know, naturally, it should have been kicked off the show. Um, the Wonder Years, uh, I love The Wonder Years, 1988, just another one of my all-time faves. College, we used to watch this, I think, after first or second class, we'd all get lunch, go home and watch The Wonder Years. But, uh, you know, who could forget Kevin Arnold, Fred Savage, as a teenager growing up in the 60s. And, I mean, look, nobody's ever going to forget about Winnie Cooper, especially me. Dana McKellar, just Another childhood crush, but we're going to get into that in a minute. But, uh, you know, another one of my Christmas Hallmark girls. And uh, I'm definitely down to make a movie with her when she's ready. Um, so, anyways, uh, guys and gals, that's going to wrap it up for uh, movies and TV shows. And I'll be right back. Okay, everybody, welcome back. So, let's get to this week's version of Rise Got Five on it. And uh, so, today... It's just me, myself, and Rye. And uh, sometimes that's good. So, I mean, you know, a little uh, less drunken debauchery sometimes is okay. But uh, I, I, I've loved all this. But uh, anyways, the topic is going to be my top five all-time TV show celebrity girl crushes from back in the day. And I do just want to say that I'm going to cheat right off the bat. So, look, it's my show. I can do what I want. And my honorable mention... So, my honorable mention is going to be Kate Hudson. And look, I definitely had other options, but I had to find a way to get her on my list. So, Andy Anderson, How to Lose a Guy in 10 Days. I was immediately hooked. I love that movie. I love her. Um, I know she was in a couple of TV shows, but nothing that I watched, you know, when I was a kid. And look, the name of my golf GPS is Hudson, after her, which... Helps me never lose it. Naturally, she is also the queen of Fabletics. All right, so let's move on. So let's go to number five. I'm taking Dana McKellar uh, or Winnie Cooper from The Wonder Years. So I just talked about her. Um, she is also in one of my favorite Hallmark movies, um, uh, Crown for Christmas, among many others. But uh, I had to get her on that list. Number four, I'm taking Alyssa Milano. So, Samantha Maselli on Who's the Boss? And she was also Phoebe from the mystery series Charmed. Moving on, number three, taking Vanessa Marcel. So, she played Brenda Barrett on GH, General Hospital. Probably, without a doubt, my most watched TV show ever. She also played Gina Kincaid. On Beverly Hills 90210, maybe my second show I ever watched. Uh, watched. 
Anyways, at number two, I'm taking Tiffany Amber Thiessen, or better known as Kelly Kapowski from Saved by the Bell. There's not much left to say here, people. Um, she was pretty much every boy's crush growing up. Easily could have been the number one pick. And, you know, she also played Valerie Malone on 902 and Ohm, which this was definitely a different role for her. You know, she didn't play like your typical goody-goody hometown sweetheart. She was uh, very seductive and kind of like a conniving uh, bitch, for lack of a better word. But that is also why all us guys loved her. Anyways, uh, my number one overall pick, and I'm pretty sure everybody knows where I'm going. I have talked about her many, many times on this podcast, so no drum roll needed. Um, Cameron Candice Beret. So, or should I say DJ Tanner from the TV show Full House. So she is 45 years old, one year older than me, and like I truly believe we grew up together. I never missed a show. Um, every Friday night, TGIF, I was glued to the TV, eight seasons long, and even better yet, when she came back into my life with all these Christmas Hallmark movies. So some of my faves, Christmas Under Wraps, Switched at Christmas, Christmas Town, and A Christmas Detour. Now, naturally, her best movie is yet to come where I will be the co-star. So I'm not going to get into it again. I've talked about it a couple times, but I'm still writing the script. Everything's going good so far. But anyways, guys and gals, that is going to wrap it up for this week's episode. So please, as always, feel free to comment on my Facebook or my Instagram page, um, you know, with your favorite male or female crushes from back in the day. I mean, guys and girls, let's go. Let's get into this. And, you know, look, also, please feel free to tell me what you like and you don't like about the show. Getting ready to do another giveaway, um, you know, coming up. Just uh, want to, uh, I do want to say this. So I'm going to put this show on more platforms. So it might come up as 15.1 or 15.2. So 15.1, and this is not hard, people. 15.1 will have the music in it. And 15.2 will probably not have any songs. Um, I'm just doing this to get it on like eight other platforms. I mean, naturally, I'm always going to jam out to mine on Spotify. I mean, the other one will probably be on Spotify as well. But anyways, once again, 15.1, got the music. 15.2, no music. Um, anyways, look, it's just, I'm definitely here to entertain and please everybody. And, uh, you know, we're... This journey that we're taking, it's a whole lot of fun. Season two, which it's going to go right into 2022. And then I'm going to start talking about current stuff, probably. But uh, I do got to send a special shout out to Kimmy. Uh, thank you for uh, this morning when you, uh, you know, you woke up, you went to work, jamming out to my show. I really appreciate that. And um, all the people that are, you know, listening and subscribing, but uh, 
Anyways, guys and gals, this is RJK signing out, and I will see you next week.